This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. We are continuing our One Book, One College program. Uh, and this year we're looking at Roxana Sabari's book, uh, Between Two Worlds. One of the themes that we're pulling out of that book is just journalism, journalism in general. Um, as a journalist, Savari was in Iran doing work and uh, led uh, to her story. So we have that book in the library, by the way, advertisement um, for checkout, and it's for sale at the bookstore, so that's worth taking a look at. But today, we're going to talk more focused on the workaday world, what's happening now as a journalist and journalism in our area, very local. So we're very uh, happy to have Amy Hoke with us. Um, Amy comes through a library connection. Her Aunt Fran uh, works in our library. So we imposed on a family member to come and enlighten us a little bit today. So thanks to Fran for that. Um, Amy has an impressive background. Uh, She earned her bachelor's in English at UIC. She has a master's in journalism from Northwestern. And if if you're not aware, you don't accidentally get into Northwestern's journalism school, right? It's uh, pretty big time. Um, she's worked in a range of places, starting uh, doing some beat work, it sounds like, at the Decatur Herald uh, Review. She's currently with MarketWatch. She's done work uh, for Reuters and is freelance for the Southtown. So she brings with her um, not only academic expertise and background, but real-world work, which is um, exciting. This is one of my personal interests, so um, it's a pleasure for me to welcome Amy to our library. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the nice introduction. Um, And thanks uh, to Moraine for having me here to speak today. I actually am from the South Suburbs. I uh, grew up in Burbank and went to Revis. actually took my first uh, Internet course at Moraine. Um, It was an introduction to the Internet course where we learned how to make a Hotmail account and uh, make a web page. It was all very elementary type things. But at the time, you know, some of us needed it. Anyway, uh, before we get started, maybe um, people can raise their hands if uh, they're in a journalism class or maybe interested in the journalism field. Anyone? One? A couple? Oh, good. Excellent. Okay. Well, I thought that maybe I'd talk um, a little bit about my journey uh, as a journalist. It's about 10 years since I've been a journalist that I've been in the field, and there's been a lot of changes during that time. Um, you know, as it was mentioned before, I went to UIC, uh, applied to Northwestern, was thrilled to get in, and uh, by that time I had a couple internships. I had uh, an internship at a magazine downtown. I had an internship at cars.com. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. It's a website for, for car reviews and uh, things like that. It helps people kind of uh, get information before they make a car purchase. Anyway, so I get into to, to Medill, I get into Northwestern, and I'm telling one of the people who I have known, gotten to know through my internships, about how excited I was. Um, because I, you have to pick a focus when you go into journalism school. You have to decide whether you're going to take a reporting focus, which would be maybe see your future in newspapers, uh, or a magazine focus, maybe a broadcast focus. And what I chose to focus on was new media. That's what should they call it at the time. I'm not sure if they call it that much anymore. But basically how to use the web online to tell stories in a more compelling way, really engage readers in the information that you're presenting. So I was all excited. I'm telling this person about how great it's going to be, how, 
how it's going to change journalism. And he, uh, he looks at me and he says, Amy, I hate to tell you this, but you're wasting your money. <clears throat> you're wasting your money. And I mean, I don't know, you could debate how much you should spend for a journalism education. I probably did spend more than, um, you know, anyway, that, that was uh, uh, easy to pay back. But he said, no, no, Medill's a great school. You're wasting your time because um, the Internet's kind of just a fad. The Internet is, is cool, but no one's going to get away from wanting to hold the newspaper and read the news every morning. No one's going to get away from wanting to hold a magazine and flip through the ads and flip through the articles. <laughs> well... I mean, there are some people who still love that process. I do sometimes like to look through a magazine. But I think, as we all know, most of us do get our information from the Internet these days. We get it from a wide variety of places, but the Internet certainly isn't going in a way. In fact, it's only changed more over the 10 years that I've been in the business. So, so I got out of school. Um, all excited to be a journalist finally and, and, uh, and tell the stories that the people need to know. And uh, I start freelancing for the Daily South Town, which was a very, very um, traditional type job. I'd go to um, village board meetings, school board meetings, uh, interview people on the phone, write up the story, email it to an editor, and it would appear in the paper. It would appear on the online version as well, but, you know, oh, my name's in print. How exciting. Um, from there, I moved on to Reuters. Reuters is a news service, a wire service, um, a very real-time uh, news. And um, I think that was at the time where I feel like the, we were getting more used to getting that news on demand. I was there um, in the Washington Bureau on September 11th, 2001, and I remember at the time uh, just how hungry people were for news for what had happened. Um, I remember getting to the office and already the towers had been hit, the Pentagon had been hit. Uh, I got into the office and we just had learned about the, the plane that went down in, in Pennsylvania. And so the, uh, the editor said, uh, Amy, so your job today is to find the reporter who's going to go out into that field in Pennsylvania and get the story for us. So that's how I spent my September 11th. It was very memorable. Anyway, that was a temporary job. I ended up coming back to Illinois, and I worked for my new first newspaper job, my first staff reporter job, and that was the Decatur Herald and Review. And I don't know if anyone knows where Decatur is. Um, it's in the middle of the state. It's uh, kind of in between Springfield and Champaign. Um, and uh, it started out as a very traditional paper job. I did the same thing, you know, went to the meetings, uh, learned a lot about agriculture because we were surrounded by a lot of cornfields, so did some ride-alongs with, uh, with farmers and, and uh, learned a lot about corn and soybeans, which was fascinating. Um, but what also happened during that time is that we started noticing a lot of people were coming to the web um, for the news, and that maybe even people were stopping, the ta stopping taking the newspaper were losing some circulation because they were getting their news online. So that meant our job had to shift. When you would do a big story, you'd come back from a big story. Before you went to work on your, your story for the next day in the newspaper, you, uh, you had to write a web update. 
They wanted, you know, something right away that they could throw up on the web. Now, this was 2002, 2003, um, you know, kind of as people were really, really getting online and, and uh, expecting that news there. Then the blogs came. You know, you had all these people who were blogging, and then they asked the reporters to blog as well. So now you were doing your paper, you're reporting for the paper, you're doing reporting for the web update. Then you were trying to keep up a blog that had a different voice and really had a different audience as well because there are people who are outside of the community that were somehow finding my blog, you know, about business news that was local, but sometimes things that were national that I'd kind of throw some ideas out about and there'd be some discourse. So that was really interesting to see how that had changed just in a couple of years. Well, you know, fast forward to 2006, um, that's when I took my job at MarketWatch. And I don't know if a lot of you are familiar with MarketWatch. I'm going to show it to you here in a second. MarketWatch is a um, financial news website. We're part of Dow Jones. Um, which also owns the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and MarketWatch is pretty much what, I don't want to say it's pretty much what I would have thought I'd be working for when I was, you know, a student. But it, it comes close because it just, it's, there are a couple elements of this that, that really just kind of showcase just what, what it's like to be a journalist today. First of all, you look up here at the latest news. This is constantly being updated. Maybe you see 1253, 1250, 1250. I guess we missed 1251 in a couple minutes. A lot of personalities, you know, you see all these people here, or there I am. Um, I write about real estate, uh, incidentally, I work, write about the housing market right now. And you see a lot of personalities, which is, is very big on the web. And, you know, I don't know if that's because we're so in tune with social networking that, you know, we, we all have a Facebook page. We all, well, I don't know if we all tweet, but... Something about the Internet really gravitates towards who is this person who's talking to me? Who, whose opinion is this? There's a lot of really real demand for that on the web. So you see that in a page like MarketWatch. Um, another thing, too, let's see, let's click on Paul Farrell's column. He's one of our more popular columnists. Um, Another thing that's happened since I've been at MarketWatch is, I'm sorry, bear with me as I scroll to the bottom, the comment section. Uh, so many comments. I mean, this, this, this one has about 165 comments at the time being. Some stories get more than 1,000 comments. And I think it really goes back to where we are today in terms of, you know, breaking that wall between the journalists and their audience. You know, it's a discussion. You think back in the newspaper, you know, when your, your only method of reaching people was the newspaper, they'd give you a call on the phone, um, you know, then maybe they'd give you an email, but there wasn't this instant feedback, people responding about what they think about your 
story, your take on it. And sometimes these, these comments even branch off into their own discussions. I'll look at some of the comments in my story and I think, uh, I didn't write any of that. I didn't, I didn't say any of that. They're having a conversation with themselves and it's pretty fascinating. Um, the other thing that, uh, that you notice about a, a website today is that, you, you know, there's, there's more of the focus on the social media. Um, you know, if you like a story, you can click like on it, you can tweet it. Um, and there's also a lot of demand for us to, to be on Twitter as well. That's another, another interesting point. I think when, when Twitter first became popular, especially working for a big media company, they didn't really know what to tell their employees on how to use it. Um, they, the social, n social uh, media uh, guide rule book or whatever they came up with was, was really hard to figure out because they didn't want you saying anything about what was going to be coming in the newspaper. You know, they, they didn't want you to be reporting news on your own Twitter site. They wanted you to, they wanted to be breaking the news, you know, on the website. Or if it was the journal, they wanted it in the journal. They didn't want you scooping uh, your own paper. Um, obviously, that's changed because everyone has to be on Twitter because I, I think that it's become just another level of being able to interact with your audience. Uh, and not only, you know, tweeting your stories and having conversations with readers, but also kind of being the expert. Now, I, I, I told you I was a, a real estate reporter, and, um, you know, a lot of times I'll spend on Twitter, I'll, I'll be recommending other stories that I, that I see, or I'll be uh, recommending, uh, you know, different other tweets, retweeting uh, things that I see that I find interesting. And the people who follow me, um, I, I think that they're they're following me because they want to learn something about the real estate market they're in, or they're 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 in it to buy a home someday or or soon or get a mortgage, and they hope that I'll have some sort of grains of wisdom to share with them. So I do see a lot of my readers end up following me on Twitter these days. So so okay, so going from a newspaper to a, a site like Market Watch. How has my job changed because of that? Well, I do write. Uh, when, I, when I write, I feel like the, uh, the stories, if they're timely stories, they have to be pushed out right away. Sometimes I, I don't have much time to think, let alone process, and then you have to, you have to get it up there uh, right away so that, you know, if it's market-moving news, uh, people can, can read it and make their decisions. Um, also, it's not just stories anymore. It's uh, it's also video. Um, I'll show you. Okay, here's one of my my more recent stories. Why would you buy a new home? Um, here's our Market Watch. Um, in addition to Market Watch, our partner picks it up. Oops. Who wants to buy a new home? On the Wall Street Journal. Excellent, cool. I'm in the Wall Street Journal. I think <laughs> I'm in the Wall Street Journal. Same story. It's packaged differently. They put a little different art with it. <coughs> That's also very common on the web. With the, the demand for content being as it is, you do see a lot of the, the stuff repackaged. But then also, you know, in addition to the story. 
Amy, why don't you go out with the camera and, uh, and, and take some video? Okay? Here's a, a video that I did, which is very fun, uh, but, and I'll show you this, I'll show you a little clip of this. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's really difficult. You're the one reporter who's at the, at the site, no cameraman, no, um, no backup at all, and you're there taking the pictures, and eventually you're, you're writing the script, you're doing the voiceovers, um, and so you see these, and I never appear in any of the videos. I, it's funny, my mom will always say, Aim, this video is great, but we didn't see your face. Well, Mom, it's because I'm behind the camera the whole time. There is no face to the story except for the people who, um, the sources who are in the story, which I thought they'd be popping up here soon. Anyway, um, in addition to that, the same. Now, keep in mind this is the same story. Why someone would want to buy a new home. Wall Street Journal says this is kind of an interesting story. Would you be on the um, our live show, why would you consider buying a new home? And they have me on this this uh, this journal show to talk about the same thing. No. Advertisements are also part of the video, which uh, they they do seem to advertisers do seem to like to be on video segments. I don't know if you can hear it. So here I am talking about the same story. Why would someone buy a new home? Same. Oops, that's a weird pause. <laughs> we'll keep it going. Anyway, here I am back at Market Watch. Okay, so how has my job changed? I do video. I'm on the radio. Uh, I am doing uh, video interviews. That was a Skype interview, by the way. Uh, it, it, I wasn't even in the studio. So you're asked to do more. I guess that's the simplest way to put it. You're asked to do a lot more. Um, you're asked to be somebody who, you're asked to be a broadcast reporter. You're asked to be a, a reporter of stories. You're asked to be a new media, a social networking a reporter who gets the news out via those channels as well. Um, I mentioned too that there were uh, that there's just a lot of hunger for uh, content across the web. Here's another story that was done ended up on Yahoo. There's another one that's ended up on MSN. MSN. They kind of it's 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 really strange the way uh, you never know where they're going to end up, and I think that's the new reality of journalism today. I think to be a journalist, you have to know that you're going to be asked to do more than just write a story and turn it in at the end of the day. I do want to go into a little bit more about, um, about blogging, though, because that's been another trend, this idea of the citizen journalist, uh, the blogger who's out there and, and reporting themselves. Um, and for a while, there's, and there still is sometimes some discussion in the industry about 
about that. You know, is our bloggers, are we going to end up having just bloggers, no newspaper reporters, no website reporters, no professionals, nobody's trained to do the job, but people who pick it up on their own. There's a lot of good information out there from people who are just curious about a topic or tuned into the news. I mean, look at the... Um, you know, the, the revolt in, in Egypt, we learned a lot of stuff uh, through Twitter. Um, a lot of the stuff in the Middle East uh, that's happened uh, this year, it's fascinating what we've learned through social media and the access that people have. That said, I do think that, that there still will be a need for journalists. There will be a need for people to be there and to dissect the information, make sense of information, and, uh, and, and really be able to do it in a way that, uh, that somebody who uh, is just kind of an amateur at it uh, won't be able to do it. I think that probably is mostly because there's so much attention to detail and fact. Um, when I read a story, it's a story, the idea will be talked about with an editor first. I'll write the story. An editor will take a look at it. It'll sometimes go through another letter, layer of copy editing, looking for errors, kind of trying to tear your, your story apart, trying to find where, what you've forgotten, what you've misspelled, what kind of concept you've gotten wrong. And frankly, when, you, when you're on your own and you're just putting your own ideas out, that you don't have that, that extra layer. At the same time, um, a lot of my stories are, are referred to on blogs. And, you know, sometimes I, I just see parts of my story um, pasted in a blog. I, sometimes readers will say, you know, did you notice that, uh, did you see this, that this person had, uh, had kind of ripped off your story and put, pasted it in your blog, which is kind of strange. But there's just, there's, there's just so much of that on the web, and there's really not a good way to police that. Um, because it's it's uh, it's not a it's not a presentation without uh, PowerPoint. I put together some some notes. Um, I, I, I kid, but I think that uh, uh, there were some really good good uh, stats on just how we get our news. Actually, maybe we can just, I can just first ask how people in here get their news. Does anyone read a, a traditional newspaper anymore? Anybody read magazines? Magazines, a couple. Um, how about um, getting your news from TV? How many get their news from TV? Or the radio? Okay. And how many get their news from online? Okay. I think somebody didn't raise their hand, but <laughs> but it does clearly look that a lot of people get their news from online. And oh, how many people get their news from their phones or a tablet? Yeah, that's huge. This is uh, some stats that I found. 61% of people get at least some news online. I would guess it'd actually be bigger than that, especially among uh, younger generations. I think Gen X and Gen Y, especially, uh, we're getting a lot of our news online. Uh, I have a lot of guilt that I only subscribe to the Sunday Chicago Tribune because I um, I like the coupons. But honestly, we don't we don't read it we don't read it otherwise. I subscribe to news uh, magazines, which can be fun to flip through. But by the time you get the newspaper, it feels like it's very stale. It feels like I a lot of it you already know or you should know or you feel bad that you didn't know because it happened 24 hours ago sometimes. 
Um, 54% listen to a radio news program. 78% get their news from a local TV station. 73% get their news from a national TV network or cable station. 50% read a national or local newspaper. So a lot of people still do read the newspaper. But most of us are getting our news from more than one platform. And I would guess a lot of us in this room feel that way. Um, there are also some great slides about or information about social networking. 75% um, of online users get news forwarded through email or posts on social networking sites. Um, I know that that's been huge. It, since I've been on, on Twitter and, and Facebook, it's amazing what you can learn just from your friends who send stuff along that they think it's cool, or people who you follow, people who you respect. A lot of people I follow because I'm in the the, um, because I'm focusing on real estate for my job, a lot of people I follow will be mortgage brokers or real estate agents. And it's fascinating what those people will have to say or the kind of links that they'll, uh, they'll send along that, that really are relevant to my job. 37% um, of online users have reported news, commented on a story, or shared it on sites like Facebook and Twitter. Do you guys comment? How many people comment on, on things online? On stories, Facebook, do you like things, like things on Facebook? Yeah. yeah sometimes you just observe as well. And 51% of social networking users say that on a typical day they get news from people they follow, and 23% of them follow news organizations or individual journalists. Great. But I think when I, when I think about what's ahead... I think, you know, for the people who raised their hands when, they, when I asked about, you know, how many people uh, use their cell phone to get their news, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Now, this is a stat that I found. 33% of cell phone owners access news on their phones. I think that's probably growing as well. And the percent of adults, this is really interesting, the percent of adults with an e-book reader doubled between November 2010 and May 2011. Um, and then finally, just the tablet computers, including the iPad, are on the rise. We all want one if we don't have one. And, uh, and it's just become the way that, that people are, are getting their news. I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. I think we're going to see more um, apps, uh, you know, that, that plug you into to the news. I think you're going to see... Um, just a bigger concentration in getting people the news right away and getting it to them wherever they are. I, I did want to show you some other sites, some kind of other clever uses of media, of online media, um, that I find fascinating. Here's something from the New York Times. And the New York Times has some great interactive features, uh, really fascinating. I hope this loads because it's really cool. What they did, so they asked their readers to submit. Talk about social media. Talk about getting your readers involved. They asked readers to submit their travel photos and their backstory. This is something that, you know, in their travel section, you learn about this, this couple's trip to Brazil. You learn about, jeez, um, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. It's beautiful to look at, and it's, and it's interesting, and it's engaging. This is another interesting one that uh, that 
the New York Times did. I, I don't know if you remember, I think it was last year when um, the computer Watson from IBM challenged the, the Jeopardy. I don't know if anybody remembers that. The computer was on Jeopardy and people were playing against the computer and it was kind of an interesting thing. Here's, a, here's something that they did on the New York Times. It's a story, there's an article, as you can see here, that you can read about Watson, the computer. There's a video from IBM telling you about you know, what Watson is. And there's a game. You play against Watson. Really cool. I mean, talk about helping people understand the, and I'm not going to play against it, professor. it probably will, <laughs> will not do very well. But talk about helping people understand a topic. Um, it's a different way for, for people to, to get the information, and it's a different, oh, shoot. I wanted to get to this thing. I wanted to get to my contact information for everybody, but I don't know if I'll be able to. Anyway, um, it's an interesting way to tell a story. It's a different way to tell a story, and I think that when we're talking about online uh, online publications, we might see more of that. Um, you know, including all the, the mobile devices that we're able to, to, to look upon to get our news each day. Um, that's, a, that's pretty much what I have, but I wanted to leave some time for questions because I know that there are some journalism classes in here and some com communication classes, and um, I thought that maybe if you have any questions about the journalism field or maybe how you get started in journalism or communications, maybe we'd open it up to that. Oh, that's a good question. What kind of journalist makes the most money? Television journalists, when you get to the very top of your career, it's interesting. I have um, friends who have, when you start in television journalism, I think that uh, you have to start at little markets. I mean, you start in journalism, any kind of journalism, you have to start in little markets. I went to Decatur. I had a friend who, um, he started in Champaign and moved around the country. Um, but when you get to, like, you know, you're an anchor in Chicago, that's that's probably where you're making some of the biggest money. When you start out, you're probably making less than a print reporter would make. So you have to, it's a labor of love, and you really have to, you know, enjoy the journey part of it because uh, you, you're not getting paid very well in the very beginning. But a lot of journalists will, will do the job. They get into the field because they love it because, it's a field where you get to meet so many different types of people. You, you, you walk up to strangers on the street and you're able to talk to them, and they let you in. It's fascinating what people let you in. You know, you, you, you do, sometimes you're, you're put on these uh, man-on-the-street type interviews where your, your editor will tell you, we want to get the pulse of what people are thinking about a certain topic. It's amazing how many people will stop and just tell you about their lives, what they think, I think I think so. You have to learn to be. Um, you have to be a little bit fearless. I'm sorry. The question was: you have to be very charismatic. I, I think you have to be a little bit fearless. You have to be um, confident enough to just step up and ask somebody a question that, and that feels very uncomfortable. A lot of times, when you're 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 approaching a stranger on the street, you have no idea who this person is or, or what they're they're gonna what their reaction is going to be. You have to be a little fearless and you have to be considerate 
um, and polite and kind of, you know, be able to work there, um, you know, make them feel comfortable in answering. But it's, it's really amazing what people will want to tell you because I think there is kind of this, this itch to have yourself heard. I mean, which we've also seen on social networking sites. We all want to tell people what we're, what we're doing, where we're at, what we like. And that's kind of our world today. Is there any, any other questions? Nothing? Oh my God, all the time, all the time. The question was, do I get questions uh, or do I get people asking me for real estate advice? I get that a lot. I get, well, one of the, the blessings and the curses of being online is that it's very easy for readers to, to get in touch with you. Uh, sometimes they're very gracious. Sometimes they tell you what an idiot you are. Sometimes they ask you for advice. They say, you know, I see mortgage rates are really low. Um, what are they going to be like next week? Will, will I miss the, the rate? Or, or what will prices, what will a home price be, you know, a month from now? And, you know, I end up, I obviously, I can't, I can't have an opinion. As a journalist, you're not really supposed to express what you think. You're expressing what your sources are saying. You know, in every story, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of quotes and there's a lot of sourcing for a reason because you're trying to tell someone what the industry thinks or what um, people think about a topic and you try to stay out of it as much as possible. So when people ask me what I think, I usually end up telling them what I'm hearing, uh, maybe pointing them in the right direction to, to places on the web that might be able to help them make their decisions. Um, but I get that a lot. And with a topic like real estate and the time that we're in right now, um, with real estate being such a huge issue and home prices and values and the foreclosures and, and, and all of that, uh, I think people really are trying to figure out what to do and they're, they're looking to, to people who are, uh, have their finger on the pulse of, of the topic to, um, to give them some sort of advice or some sort of direction. So that is, that is big. Also, just I think that it's, it's often a big icebreaker, real estate, because you know, when people find out that you know something about real estate at, at a party or at... Um, I don't know, it just in a social situation, sometimes they just want to pick your brain because I think we're all trying to figure out, you know, what it means to us. Um, any other questions? You know, I, I might also just give some people ad advice if, if you're interested in a career in journalism. Uh, it is very rewarding. It's, it's been such an exciting 10 years of my life. I've met... So many people. I mean, I, I remember when I was in, in Decatur, I, I remember covering the Obama uh, election when he was running for, for Senate, for State Senate, for U.S. Senate. Um, I remember getting a, a voicemail message on my, on my phone from uh, uh, Obama who kind of called after my deadline, and I said, hmm, well, I'm not calling him back then. <laughs> Stupid. Um, but meeting people like that, meeting um, uh, so many interesting people um, in politics and, and in the arts and in business and being able to kind of go and, and be the, the eyes for people who, who can't be there in their shoes. That's what I've always, 
I think is always the, the important thing about journalists is that you, you're there because not everybody can go to a meeting, not everybody can gain access to an event, not everybody can, you know, sit in the office of somebody who's in charge of a company, but you're there to be the ears and the eyes to be able to inform the public about what they need to know about the situation. And I think that, um, I think it's been incredible. And I think that if you're interested in journalism, I think it's great to get some internships, really get some, um, some experience as much as you can. Work for places like the school newspaper, which is really where I learned to, to love writing and reporting. And, uh, and go for it. It's not easy. Uh, you'll probably have to start small, but the places that you go, the journey that you, you can go on is, is just, uh, it's fantastic. And so I'd recommend it, knowing that the field is always changing. It's, it's no longer, uh, we don't know what it's going to be like in 10 years. We don't know how we'll be reporting or what we'll, how we'll be reaching our readers, how our readers will be getting, readers will be getting in touch with us. Um, but we do know that it is going to change. We do know that the, what will say the constant will be that um, people will always need information. People always will be craving information to make their decisions about their daily lives and keep them informed about their communities. And there are always going to be journalists to, to, to give them that information. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, how do we decide what's what's the news? Um, it's tough. I mean, news, news judgment, I think, is something that you develop over time. You have to be very aware of who your audience is. You have to be know. You have to know what they need to know, what they want to hear about what they need to hear about sometimes as well. And I think that you use those standards to kind of pick out, um, you know, choose what, uh, what you need, what needs to be done. Just kind of interestingly, my assignment this week um, for the past couple of days on Monday and Tuesday was to cover the Mortgage Bankers Association meeting, which probably sounds extremely boring to all of you. It, it is kind of boring sometimes. Well, most of the time. But it's important because there are people who are at big banks who are making decisions about how we're going to get our loans, how um, mortgages will, will look in the years ahead, um, how to keep people in their homes, uh, you know, as they're, as they're worried about losing their home to foreclosure. Important decisions are being made. So, so I go and I, I go to cover the story. And what happens is uh, that my plan gets totally screwed up on Monday because um, there's a huge protest that happens outside the the conference center, the hotel downtown. So I originally planned on writing about what these what these you know big bankers were going to talk about. I ended up talking to protesters outside who are very upset about how the banks have treated foreclosures, how um, the banks have have uh, just reacted to this crisis, and uh, then went back and forth, went inside and and outside to kind of craft a story. Uh, you know, about those two two opinions. So I think that what's interesting is that your news judgment, what your planned 
plan is for the news changes on the dime as, as things come up. And that was an example of it on Monday. In fact, I actually did, I took a picture using my cell phone, which I, I don't have an iPhone, uh, but I have a phone that obviously takes pictures, and uh, it, they ended up using it in the story, which, you know, I think it's happening more and more often, too. When you're there, you can snap a picture. It doesn't matter if it comes from, you know, a rinky-dink cell phone or, or a nice Canon camera. If it's a picture that captured what actually happened, it's going to be used. So hopefully that kind of answers that. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, it, that's, I mean, then the next day I followed up with a story about the um, what what they thought uh, the economic outlook was, what their plans were for, you know, kind of helping boost the mortgage market and the housing market. So there was some of that, too. But when the news was happening, when the protesters were out there complaining about what was going on inside, um, you know, that's where the story was and that's where I went. And, I, you know, that's, that's where it is. You go where the story goes, where it takes you to Mortgage Bankers Conference or it takes you to Iran. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite as glamorous uh, reporting on, on mortgage banking, but uh, it's a job and it needs to be done. <laughs> so, all right, well, maybe we should wrap up. It sounds, looks like it's... Thanks, everybody. And also feel free to contact me. I, I put my email addresses up there and my Twitter handle. So um, please feel free to reach out if you ever want to talk about the business or you have any questions. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.